the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. That's the number one rule of the game, if possible. Recently did a seminar, and I can't believe how many people come up to me at seminars and say, I've been listening to you for three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And it's really weird, because when you start putting 20 years into perspective, you start putting like life into perspective. I was 30 years old, I was 40 years old, I was 50 years old, I was 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. It's a long time to have a relationship with someone. Um, I'm very honored by that. I'm very flattered, so thank you. Um, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I like talking strategies on occasion. A, it's something that, you know, I want to pound in your head enough until you get it. And B, I want to pound in your head enough until you get it. Finances aren't that tough. It's not that many things that you have to become a master of. The problem is that there's little fine art in everything that we do in finance. And that's where you can get yourself in trouble. Wealth creation is what I try to talk a lot about. CFP Chad Burton talks a lot about wealth preservation and income and retirement. Wealth creation, you have a job, hopefully, and you're saving some of it away. Wealth preservation, you don't have a job. So no longer income coming in. It's just assets and equity going out. In theory, we talk retirement taxes, your money, your business. Let's listen to a little sports radio on the way in this morning because it's a good time of the year for sports. And sometimes, quite honestly, you can only hear so much of the headline news. You know, what is the president doing? It gets kind of repetitive after a while. If you're a political junkie, I get it. I'm not a political junkie, and that's, whoa, crosses into this world a little bit too often, if you know what I'm saying. But I heard, as I was driving down, I heard this guy say, hey, I could do your 401k, your investment company, your investments, your insurance. Your, and I was like, oh, I know who he is and I know what he sells. It's a crap product. But he's willing to like sacrifice his ethics to make himself richer. I'm not willing to do that. Plato's Republic. Long live Plato's Republic. And so creates Johnson. Um, so anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things that we often talk about is what are you going to do in retirement? And I don't really have the best answer for you. That's up to you. And what should I do in the current market? I don't have the best answer for you. It's, it's what you need in your portfolio and how much risk appetite you can take. When a president is battling another country and we're willing to take out their most important stock or their most important company, they're probably willing to do the same to us. So I, that's tough to, it's tough for me to say, you should go put your hard-earned money in that. And I don't want to do that. One of the things I could teach you that I did very well, and I, I hope you do this down the road, is start reading, start reading more. The Wall Street Journal and Barron's are awesome. If you buy Wall Street Journal online, you get Barron's too. You know, Apple's got that subscription thing that I don't exactly quite know how that works with their new stuff. Um, I've got a nice size uh, iPad, I, but I also like reading the paper, you know? I know you're so old school. You're ruining the planet. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I should probably not do that. So if you can stomach more risk than you could reap greater benefits. I get that. And that's where small cap stocks come in. A big cap company 
say worth 10, 20, 30 billion. And they're a little bit tougher to grow. Every now and then they could do it. So when you start hearing about companies like Microsoft and Apple and Amazon at a, th- a trillion dollars, just know that it's tough to grow from 10 billion to 20 billion. It's a lot easier to grow from 1 million to 5 million. So small cap companies have a lure to us. The thing I don't want you to do is think this is the way I'm going to do it. This is the way I have to do it because I'm behind. I have some small cap exposure. I used to be a small cap tech expert. And I'll tell you what, it, you have to put a lot of work into it. So now I'm coming more, I try to refine as I've gotten older and finer like wine. Some some men age like wine and some men age like milk. I, I like to think mentally I've aged like wine nicely. Which for the record, you know the big winter, 2018, 2019, where California just got dumps and dumps and dumps and dumps of rain. And then in May, there's another dump of rain. That dump of rain in May, oh, wineries are going, no, last year we got all the smoke and the fires. This year we're getting mold. That would not be good. Fortunately, it was a chilly enough time that they're able to pull away without a lot of mold. I know you're saying chilly in May is good. I know. It's weird. You got to kind of go with it. But I would I would say Google small caps, small capitalization stocks, if you ever want to play with it. Or better yet, what I would want you to do is Google small cap ETFs or small cap technology or start finding stuff and then reading the literature about it. So, you know, I started by saying you should read the Wall Street Journal Barron's. Barron's has an, uh, an analyst who will come on probably every episode, every magazine. And here's my top three favorite small cap stocks. Don't read that. See that headline and that, that you go, oh, Oakmark has a good small cap fund manager. Now go get their, their brochure on it and go get their quarterly letter or their annual letter to the shareholders. And just start learning. And you'll learn that quickly. That's it's something you can get way in over your head. But should you have small cap stocks? Yeah. Do you know much a small cap stock? Let's say I start a mortgage company and I'm, I'm considered small cap and just call it XYZ. I'm, I, I, I'm, I only do business in California and then my business grows and I do business in another state and then my business grows. I go, let's get wacky here and go to Canada. See if those canoes. good day a eh? would be like happy buying my product. There's a chance they would. There's a chance they want because suddenly I'm now taking more risk as a business and expanding. So small caps kind of stay in their little area. And by the time they add a Canada or Europe or China, they've become mid cap or large cap. So small cap companies kind of eat domestically and grow domestically. I don't know. Does that help you a little bit? So I have some, I have them in ETFs essentially. Sometimes in mutual funds, I really like that fund manager, but typically I don't do small caps on my own anymore. You know, the biggest mistakes I've ever made, small caps, micro caps, and, um, what you'd probably refer to as penny stocks. I once found a company that had a great, and see, that's another thing. They have great stories. A small cap is like, well, we're going to fill the gap in to, and you're like, well, maybe they can get acquired by a big company. That could be an end game. I know a company that does, uh, I'm not going to say artificial milk, but milk made out of things, a milk-like product made out of non-dairy product. And you know that younger people today, they're like, I like cows. You, wait, wait, you don't like cows? I don't like cows. Do you have a reason why you don't like cows or you just don't like cows? I don't drink milk. I'm lactate intolerant. I'm not making fun of people who are lactate intolerant. Maybe maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Maybe just a little bit. Um, but that's, that's 13%, 14% of the dairy market of people who are saying, I don't want, I want non-dairy dairy. Does that sound like it can get us into problems? I want non-meat meat. Two very hot categories right now. If you're an investor... If you could sell to 13, 14% of the U.S. population a new category, non-meat meat, and that's why when, you know, the companies like Burger King come out with the Impossible Whopper, 
I tell you about it because there's going to be an investment there. They don't want to forget 13, 14% of the non-dairy drinkers. You kind of assume they're also non-meat eaters. Kind of. You see where I'm going out with this? You can kind of figure out your trends and small cap issues. Things that have no sales, they're going to have big sales. But it also helps if you have a professional money manager who uh, has done the research on it for you. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Waiting for you to you and I both spent, No, no, you and I spent our whole life, our whole life, like, I want to own a home. I want to be like my mom and dad. But now uh, the kids beneath us are like, I don't need to own a home. I can go from apartment to apartment. Um, for example, I had a friend who lived in the Bay Area. Um, she was friends with Joe Cannon from the MLS uh, San Jose Earthquakes. Goalie, I think. Maybe. Keeper. Uh, keeper of the year twice for the MLS. Good friend of mine. Nice guy. Good family. Good Bay Area family. Long-term Bay Area family. But he had a friend who was a female who she lived in San Francisco. And the next thing you know, she's living with five people in San Francisco. The next thing you know, she's living with a couple people in Palo Alto. Now she's living out in Breckenridge. Next, like She likes that mobility. You think that's kind of like the mobility of people not having cars? They also don't have, they also use Uber Eats because they don't have a car to go to dinner. So they, they get meal services brought into them. A lot of specialized, like, it's not what you and I grew up with. Well, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's, uh, well, it is a trend. I will say that. And it is not just tied towards millennials, although they are leading their, you know, the pack. Uh, when that's concerned, you know, they like oh. the mobility. They, they like the um, the amenities that are around places that are, are quite honestly too expensive for them to buy. So and it's convenient to jobs. It's convenient to all those other, um, you know, restaurants and bars and clubs and um, theaters that they all like to go to. Um, and we see a lot of the urban environments right now. I can give you an example. I just took a, fa- a vacation Came back and my sprinkler had an issue. So for seven days, it was flooding my yard, right? You have a landlord, you call your your, your landlord. It's his problem, not your problem. Yeah. And I think that's modern convenience. It, but it goes into car sharing. It goes into food sharing. It goes, not food sharing, but you and I, at one point in time, like, hey, let's go to Safeway tonight and get groceries for the week. Um, that's kind of fading a little bit. Let's let's have Safeway bring it to us. I'll, so I'll be, it's a trend of, we don't have to own a house. I'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how long this trend goes because what we're seeing are, are a lot of people moving across the United States to places that are what considered affordable. So you might see it kind of slowly trickle away from like the Bay Area to places like the Austins and maybe even parts of Utah and Denver and so on where there is affordable housing. And, and you know, right now they may need that mobility. So we're going to see millennials. We, we see more millennials living at home yeah. nowadays. Um, it's, in fact, the highest percentage we've ever seen, I think it's like 35 or 60 something percent of like males between a certain age are living at home. And and we're going to see this kind of trend of looking for affordable housing. And then eventually it'll figure itself out. And places like uh, companies will move to a place like Austin. And, and will it be the chicken or the egg? Putting down roots. Reasons to buy a home. Right. If I'm a millennial right now and I'm not, I'd be like, I want to see every major city in the United States. Because I hear once you have a job, you're going to work 30 years in it and you're never going to leave. And it's going to be miserable. I, I, I wouldn't buy a house. Maybe I'd buy an investment house or a rental house that I can say I own, like I did with North Carolina Raleigh. Um, I knew I was going to move. I knew I was going to live there. Its sole purpose was to be a, I'm not putting down roots. It was just extra income that I could throw, extra equity I could throw over there. 
Putting down roots, pretty good reason to own a house. Yeah, and we're actually at that exact scenario is what we're seeing more often is, is people that they know they're going to be moving or they know that they are never going to afford or they just can't really get that commitment and they have some money and they're looking at, other, you know, they've maxed out their 401k, they're looking for other write offs. They are doing that. They're buying investment property, and but they can stay mobile. You have a child, and one of the things you want to do is find your perfect community before he gets too old so that he can grow up with roots and a community. I get it. Mm-hmm. I think millennials will have the same thing. I don't think that millennials should own a home at this point in time. As real estate prices have gone up, interest has gone up, they should save money for a home. They should maybe consider investment property kind of as, hey, I got real estate going, but I'm renting. But then again, another reason to own a home is you get tired of giving equity, your cash oil to a landlord. And sometimes they don't upgrade the property, and that, that's a frustration. Um, it's nice that when it's their problem. Yeah, but, it's. I've actually. I recently talked to somebody who lives in San Diego, and they said, you know, it's the rents are going up so high right now. It actually makes more sense to buy, and that, that's when you're a renter and you go, why am I giving away money to my landlord when I could buy and and give myself the money? Um, but in that makes like, people crazy. And it, it, drives, it. it drives them crazy, and that's actually a stat. You can go to like Zillow and or Redfin. And you can look at all of these stats. Where is it? Make more sense to buy than it does to uh, to rent, and you know, and then you can do the little buy versus rent calculator. I can tell you, you need to keep this house for so many years before it breaks even. You know, and, and it makes see, sense. I don't see renting as throwing away money. Do you? It can be. It can be. That's right. It can be if you're not able to save money. If the rents are too high and you're not saving any money for a possible house, for example. No one would ever call money that you spend on food a waste. Like you have to have energy. You have to have a place to live. I, I actually own a home, so. But I don't see renting as uh, it's when it's an enormous paycheck. I get it. Um, but when I was renting, I was much more willing to sacrifice and live in smaller places, dirtier places with more roommates, per se. When I'm owning, I get, I get that luxury of not to. Um, so I think the three reasons to own a home right now, in my mind, is putting down roots for a family and community. There's something to be said about community, but also there's something to be said to go on a lot of vacations and not having to own a house. Um, building equity. I think is a great thing. Um, you know, I showed someone in the Acorns app yesterday, and they were wowed. In two months, I've saved $600 by basically just rounding up my purchases. I've built equity by rounding up. You can build equity by paying yourself rent. I get it. And I think the ability to do what you want with your space. Yeah. You've got, you know, if you have a landlord, you may have, like, mangy carpets, and you don't want your kid on a mangy carpet. You don't want your wife on a mangy carpet. On occasion, you want to <laughs> make out with your wife while watching Love Boat on the carpet. And then you smell the carpet. You're like, oh, the moment's gone. <laughs> so and you get rug burn from getting back up. Cause, and, and Or you can just say, we're going to replace this carpet. Right. And you don't want to do it if it's rental. Yeah. So those are the reasons to own. I don't think you have to own. There's not going to be, St. Peter's not going to say to you one day, let's check your list on getting into heaven. <laughs> Did you ever kill a kid and hide him on a train track? No. Good. Millennials Good. have actually made it pretty cool to be renters. Um, and, yeah. And That's yet, a well said. They, they have. And they've made that a trend. They've made it pretty hip. And then they have those little scooters, and they drive around town going, oh, the scooters. Vespas. Ciao. I'm hip. Ciao. I rent. Ciao. I've got a scarf on, and it's warm outside. Ciao. Anyhow, it's cool to rent. It's okay. There's no, you're not going to be judged by in heaven if you own a property or not. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobLackShow.com and on YouTube, Rob Black Show. If you want to see what my greasy face looks like. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Good morning. Welcome in. Welcome along for the ride, I suppose. 
Update today. Yesterday we were down, then we were kind of fought back. Fight your way back. I don't know if you remember that horrible, awful song, but for some reason, I certainly do. Um, gosh, where do we even start today? So we're at the very, very tail end of earnings season at this point in time. There's going to be a big gap between now and next earnings season. It's going to be 90 days, but it's going to be 90 days with a lot of conjecture about China. And I feel like we're getting toyed with. Do you agree? Um, what I say with by getting toyed with, it feels like some days the president sends out advisors say, well, we're, we're having constructive talks. And the other days it's like, but we're far away apart. So I kind of get that. There's a little bit of a cautious optimism. Don't you like it when words mix together and uh, they're not exactly, how shall we, it's like kissing your sister. It's, it's not exactly the best thing in the world, if you know what I'm saying. Although, then again, some sisters are pretty cute. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, I just died on the vine on that one. So big spike in volatility this week. Maybe that's what we're going to remember this week as. Um, probably the biggest flare-up in, I'm not going to say the last 10 years, but one of them. An increasing number of signs suggest the dynamics driving the latest turbulence could be the start of a deeper correction. We're not done going down. Or if we are, that that wasn't going down. It's like that old Australian thing. You brought a knife, and the guy shows his knife. He goes, that's not a knife. Um, this is a situation where retirement savers are going to be stressed because I just said, I don't think we're done going down. And they're like, but I'm a year away from retirement, or I'm two years away from retirement. Well, that's the case, and you're going to want to come to the retirement event at the money show that Chad and I are doing a couple Fridays from today. Learn more at newfocusfinancial.com or kdow.biz under the money show. You do have to sign up to go. Um, global stocks sold off on Monday after Beijing devalued the, the yuan. And that was kind of a, a latest salvo. I hate using military terms for financial issues, but it is what it is. So you get President Donald Trump's latest tariff. You get the uh, Beijing devaluing the yuan. Um, broader stock market rebounded a lot on Tuesday after a rough Monday. China tried to stabilize the yuan, then ended relatively flat. And that's that's good and bad. If the yuan was really going lower on market forces, then trying to stabilize it is artificial. And it's the little boy who put his thumb in the dam who turns out to be you know super gluing it, only to find out that super glue doesn't last forever. So we don't really want currency manipulators, either on the positive or the negative side. The reminder right now is that stocks can be volatile. I'm not saying we're in for a correction. I'm not saying, oh, no, it's all over. I'm just saying that they can be uh, volatile. you got to keep some peace of mind. So one thing that I don't do is move a lot of investments into gold. I get it. If you're at an all-time high and you think we're due for a 30% correction, I get putting some of your money in, in safe havens. I get it if you can predict and see a nuclear bomb landing in Washington, D.C. I get it. I get the idea why you would want gold, but it's not for me. It plays into fear too much. And maybe I'm, that's the pride before the fall, but it plays into fear too much. Most investors need to keep some money in stocks to meet their income needs in retirement. So you can't sell everything. And, you know, having a buffer of three years of income and cash and bonds to provide peace of mind during a market turmoil should make you feel a little bit better. Maybe you need more than that to feel even better, better. Cash balance intact. Um, 
it's kind of a strategy that you should have. So I don't have enough cash in my portfolio. If we went down 30, 40, 50%, I'd kick myself in the hiney, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's about what it sounds like. I've got one of those rubbery hineys. So if you're freaked out by market volatility, for goodness sake, seek professional help. Um, CFP, Chad Burton, NewFocusFinancial.com. Lyft is up today. They beat top and bottom line expectations. And they seem to be doing, well, we don't know. We're going to learn more about Uber today. But it seems to be, how shall we say, oh, good gosh. It's, it's a good thing going on domestically. Monster Beverage came up short of expectations. Are we past the Monster Beverage craze where you'd go to a bar and you'd get like a, you know, a, a monster drink on top of vodka and you'd like, woo, I'm going to stay up all night long. Are we past that? It feels 15 years ago, but I'm not sure. I'm not a Monster Beverage drinker. And I always think at some point in time they, they should be acquired by a bigger company like a Pepsi or Coca-Cola. Kraft Heinz announced it will briefly delay its 10Q filing for the second quarter. That's not good. Its first half results came up short of revenue expectations. When you cut, when you delay a public filing, eh, I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm going to say it, it's it's something is not hitting smoothly. U.S. Treasuries have cooled off a bit. The two-year yield is up two basis points to 160. The 10 years up six basis points to 174. Dollar index, and again, so there was those two days where it was at 16. 165, 16, 165, and now it's back to 174. So if you were expecting falling mortgage rates or even lower mortgage rates, maybe that is behind us at this point in time. Consult a mortgage advisor for date action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. With that, be- that's right. Um, Dow opens higher as bond yields rebounded. Maybe cooler heads prevailed. Craft shares tumble. After delaying that 10Q, I guess the takeaway of this segment is delaying your 10Q is not seen as a positive. Broadcom is close to buying Symantec's enterprise business, which I don't understand. It's Sometimes I see mergers or acquisitions in this case, and it just makes me scra- uh, scratch my head a bit. Roku is a runaway train. Runaway train never coming back. One array train on a one-way twack. So I heard the lead singer of that band, um, I don't even know who they are, but I heard he got beat up at a concert. (laughs) I just find that funny. I was like, that's not what you expected going to work today. I'm going to go sing songs and get beat up. Roku reported second quarter results that surpassed analyst expectations. They have reached 30.5 million active users. Their numbers are impressive. Um, While waiting for the Apple TV to mature, I went with Roku as my streaming device, and I like it. Uh, it's not perfect. I'd rather have it built into the TV. Um, the Roku guide is kind of their secret sauce where they get a lot of companies to develop apps for them. And then they can kind of sell apps and push movies from Google or push Google store, or they've got some little options and they're doing really well per user. Got 30.5 million active users up 1.4 million uh, versus the prior periods, so more and more people are. It's it's playing the cutting the cord trend. This is what's impressive to me. Average revenue per user, ARPU is twenty one dollars and six cents. That's up two dollars from the first quarter. The ARPU, I know you're saying, is that a dirty word? ARPU, get your mind out of the gutter, people. Average revenue per user. It's really a solid number. Investors have been increasingly concerned that Roku could be overwhelmed by Apple or Amazon in the streaming TV ad space. 
Cheddar reported in April that Amazon plans to boost its advertising on TV products, seeking millions of dollars from advertisers to help Fire TV better compete with Roku and Pluto TV. So Amazon could throw millions of dollars. And that's kind of what you fear with the big boys, is that they can buy their way into a market. So that's that's interesting enough. Rosenblatt, an analyst, said Roku's latest quarter results prove that it has been able to withstand the pressures from competitors. I wonder what's next. They've got a Roku HD 4K streaming box. They've got the sticks. They've got the software being built into TVs. I, to me, at some point, maybe an acquisition by Amazon or by Apple. Maybe Microsoft? Not not immediately. And again, they're not saying anything about that. I don't know anything that you don't. But they're going to be helped when Disney and NBC Universal launch streaming apps. So, because when you sign up for Disney or NBC Universal, you'll they Roku will probably get a cut of that action. I don't even want to talk Kraft Heinz. Kraft Heinz is a big story in the news, but who the heck owns Kraft Heinz other than Warren Buffett? So they're down four bucks on a thirty dollars stock. So that's pretty significant today. This is a company my mom and dad, or my dad, is probably the best way of saying that. So you kind of get the point. This is dad stock. You know, kind of like dad jeans. <laughs> this is something that needs to be retired and put away. I'm just not that much of a player as far as uh, stretching my investment dollars to go as far as a craft high. And so I can find other things that I'm looking at. Hey, Chipotle is testing a new queso. Woohoo! Popeyes is launching his first chicken sandwich nationwide to compete with Chick fil A. Isn't it interesting? People love Chick-fil-A. I don't get it. I don't get the religion of sci- of, of junk food, fast food. Uh, anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't go anywhere. Stay with me. Take a break. Be right back. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. What you say? Something I could tell you on retirement is we're all in a rush to get things done faster and faster, and that's positive and ultimately negative. We want to graduate from jobs faster. We want to get a job faster. We want to get rich faster. We want to retire faster. I kind of had that a little bit when I was 18. I was like, I don't want to work till the day I die. By the time I'm 35 years old, I want $1 million so I can do whatever I want. And my goal was, somehow, this is where my head is just really messed up, and maybe I'm good for investing because of it. Maybe I'm bad for investing because of it. One of the things that I wanted to do was be 35 years old and have the ability to go, screw you, I don't have to work with you anymore. A million dollars in my head when I was 18 was going to be enough to basically find the woman of my dreams, find a beach of my dreams, go to the store, buy some apples, oranges, and some waters, maybe some beers, and sell them on the beach to people. Whatever we have to make a day to pay for rent and food would have been more than enough. But that was my retirement goal. kind of shows you I was a little naive when I was 18, huh? So I wanted to be able to retire by 35. I was in a rush. By the time... I got to 35, I had more than a million dollars, and I'm in no rush to retire. I had amassed a net wealth of probably three to four million dollars by 35. Net wealth is kind of one of those funky things to figure out where do you include cars? Do you include retirement savings? Uh, and it, it, a lot of people see it differently than others. Do you include the value of your company? Do you, where, what do you, where do you draw the line? So I had enough by 
I kind of wanted more or I wanted to live in an area that's more expensive than what I thought I was going to live in when I was 18. Remember when I was 18, I don't think I was going to live in a tent at age 35, but I certainly wasn't expecting a house worth $2 million. It's overpriced to the tune of a million and a half dollars or maybe a million to a million and a half overpriced. Trust me, I'm not living like a king. The freedom to wake up whenever I want it was a driving issue for me for retirement. I found that to be priceless. Now, you know, I would no longer have to deal with commutes to work, long work weeks, jerks. I would be able to meet people and like people that like my hobbies and wanted to spend time with me and my, my family. So when you decide you want to retire, try to wait a year on that decision and decide if that's still what you want to do. It's like when I tell people when you want to try to day trade stocks, the best thing you can do is make a deal with Uncle Rob, me. If you think you can trade a stock, email me when you want to buy a stock, and then email me when you want to sell a stock and how much money. I'll be interested to see if you can pull it off. Now, again, you can't email me 10 stocks and choose the one that you was the winner. So can you, and that's what I say, that's a test you should do with your loved one. If you can't go to your spouse and say, I messed up, I bought a horrible stock, you better be able to go to them and say, let's trade on paper first. I hate Kevin O'Leary. I used to say that I hate Jessica, not Simpson. <laughs> oh, God, Sarah Jessica Parker. Because she got women to like $400 expensive shoes. But I hate Kevin O'Leary. Every time I see him, I just want to punch him. He looks like a clown to me, and I just, I want to get a boxing glove and boink him. Boink! Story on CNBC this this today that he says he spends $1,000, $5,000 a week on food. Uh, if that's not sending the wrong message, I don't know what is. Now, he was trying to say, if you're just starting your career, look at your paycheck and do not spend more than 20% of your after-tax paycheck on dining out. I get it. He's trying to tell people, watch your expenses. It's kind of a modern day, you know, my generation loved Starbucks. We were, you know, Starbucks was kind of invented in our lifetime. The current generation may like Grubhub. They may like going out to dinner. They, they like being social. They're living in smaller homes. They don't really want to entertain in their home. They're living in smaller homes that have smaller kitchens, so they don't really have the space to do a lot of cooking. I once knew a millennial that I went into her, her kitchen, and I was like, where's your food? She had nothing. It was all fresh fruit and alcohol in the fridge. That was it. She doesn't like food in a box. So when I see Kevin Leary say, I spend $1,000 to $5,000 a week on $5,000 a week on food to $1,000 a day, I'm like, I want to exactly be bragging about that. I don't know. That's just me. So retiring early is a big idea, and you have to have income to last for the rest of your life. If I retired at 35, I'm not saying I would have run out, but my goals at 18 to have a million dollars didn't really factor in how expensive a spouse can be, how expensive health care can be, how expensive a kid can be. I didn't really start thinking about how expensive cars were going to become. At 18, I was pretty naive. I could have done it, but I would have been back in the workforce, and that ain't pretty. That's why you always want to give yourself a year to two years to really thinking about your retirement date. And then while you're approaching it, you got to start practicing retirement. Um, kids are an extreme financial burden. So you have to have extra money. That's worthy of noting. And there's going to be points where you're like, I want to send my, I want to send my kid to soccer camp. And soccer camps, you know, basically anywhere you send your kid, it's going to be $15 to $20 an hour for whatever activity they're involved in. Minimum. So... I think you want to invest more aggressively when you're younger than when you're older. 
that's one of the problems of listening to CFP Chadburton and myself. I'm more of a wealth accumulator. He's more of a wealth preserver. He can be a wealth accumulator, too. I'm just trying to put us in boxes, if you know what I'm saying. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.